It's like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And it is November, or at least it will be when you're listening to this, so we are on a new theme, and I'm super pumped for this theme. We are on the Coens uh, for the month of November, meaning we're going to be watching the Coen Brothers films that we have not seen. For me, it is the last three of the Coen Brothers filmography uh, of their feature films that they have directed that I have not seen, so I'm excited to get through this month. Um, unfortunately, I think two of them are notoriously not loved, and the first one is what we'll be talking about tonight, uh, Intolerable Cruelty. Cruelty. I said that. That still sounds like I'm saying it. Intolerable Cruelty. Why? Wow. Apparently, I say cruelty with like a real emphasis on that E in the middle. Cruelty? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> I didn't know that I said it that way, but it's bugging me. Um. Anyways. Uh, that's going to be this month. Um, we're just coming off of our horror anthology. If you caught those episodes, we'd still love to hear your thoughts on any of the anthologies that we watched. Um, but I've, I've actually seen quite a bit of movies uh, this since the last time we recorded. But um, before we get into that, uh, Corey and I like to just catch up, see how things have been going. Um, we're recording on Mondays now, which we used to record on Fridays. So it's a, it's a odd transition even though i think this is like the third or fourth monday that we've done this so this isn't new anymore but it still feels weird to me to record on a monday i guess because i have to get up in the morning so it's like what but <laughs> oh um, yeah the next day yeah like normally i mean i always get up in the morning but you know, like usually yeah, I'm like, we're recording on a friday <laughs> then i don't have to like get up and go to work on saturday um well now i would but you know that's one of the reasons why we switch um that said how you doing cory I'm fine. It's really chilly here. How are you? It is really hot here. <laughs> like, <sighs> it's like still in the 80s and 90s right now. We have not seen a lick of fall uh, so much. Dang. How, how it's 37 chilly? here. Holy cow. Yeah, no, it's not at it's all like that here. Real windy. It uh, stormed last week, and there was a lot of hail, actually. It was uh, tore down quite a few trees on our green belt and around the city, apparently. It was a little wild, and... And it got chilly from there. So <laughs> I'm sorry that it's in the eighties. Let's let's like add our temperatures together and then divide them. I, I like the sound of that. I'd like it in the sixties or seventies where I can wear my hoodie. Especially because my favorite hoodie is the one I got from Tribeca two years ago. But mm-hmm. when I got it, it was it fit but it was snug and I don't really like my clothes to be snug. I like loose clothes. Um and now after the seventy five pounds that I've lost, um it is uh, very, very comfortable. I got to wear it when I was in Atlanta last week because it was cold in Atlanta. Um, and I was super comfortable. Like, just like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it fits very well. Um, and I don't think I talked... Have we recorded since? Yeah, I guess we did. I don't think I talked about my big triumph, though, was flying. Because uh, when I went to Tribeca last year, as soon as I sat down, I could tell that I was going to need a seatbelt extension because I was that chunky. Um <laughs> And I, it's embarrassing to have to ask for that. Like, at least it was for me. And what made it worse is when I went to ask, as I was asking, the flight attendant was already nodding yes. Like, with this kind of, like, uh, I, I knew you needed that kind of, like, nod. Jerk! <laughs> and, um, 
and you know she was very kind but still like i i got the vibe she's like yeah i thought you might kind of like thing right and then um when we flew to atlanta i was not only did not need the seatbelt extension but i had several excess inches on the seatbelt um that i took a picture of the the excess because i was like oh yeah less than a year uh since i flew last and i don't need the seatbelt extension because i went to tribeca in april yeah, I'm saying last year. It's it's still this year. I, in my head, years go by school time. So oh yeah. <laughs> so it's a new year because I went during the last school year, um, but it's this year. But yeah, so like six months ago, uh, I was I was needing a seatbelt extension. Now no longer. Um, mainly exercise and low carb diet. Um, I would say keto, but it's not. I'm not as strict about it as other keto people. I was though for two months. Like I was real solid hardcore keto, and then. Um, like, I'm not doing, like, I'm not pushing, like, fat. Like, I, when I was doing it hardcore, I was taking, like, uh, MCT oil every day. To, like, oh. Like, stuff like that. So, I'm not doing that right now. I'm not taking really any supplements except for, like, a daily vitamin um, and an occasional protein shake because I'm working out a little harder. Uh, I started circuit training last week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I didn't, I had to do a lot of reading and watching videos to kind of understand, like, the process. Um, but I knew it was, it's, it's like cardio and muscle. Like, and you're doing... Um, like cycles through a circuit and boy i have not been this sore um for a while uh working out and like i mean it's I, i'm smelling a little bit like an old person right now i got icy hot on my back uh but <laughs> yeah um, yeah uh but that and then i started my new part-time job for a retail company it's been a while since i've worked retail especially on like at this level because it is a box type of retail store and i am working operations which i've never got to do so like I pull online orders and um, and other orders like both for pickup like in store, but also to ship out to like to wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a blast. I've only worked you know that doing that four hours so far, but I had a blast doing it. I was like really into it, and I, I like it a lot. And um, I don't know. I, I like retail to a degree. Like I I really loved working at Fye. Um, you know, because it's I was selling product that I was really passionate about. Um, obviously, as I've devoted much of my life the last three years to this, four years now, um, but I don't know. I, I like the new job. It's it's simply part time. It's seasonal, so I, it may only be for a couple of months, but to earn some extra money over the break, um, or not so much a break, but during the holidays, and uh, I, I had a I had a lot of fun, and I got a lot of extra steps in yesterday uh, because of it, because I'm like running around the store to get you know product, and we're timed. You know, you have, like, they're tracking to make sure you're you're getting stuff quickly. Um, so, you know, you're, like, you feel the pressure. And then the, the hard part is you're timed, but then you get, you're also told not to ignore customers. So if a customer stops you, you got to help them, but your clock's still ticking. And that's a little bit of pressure that I didn't, like, I'm, like, I get it, but there needs to be some type of, like, communication that I am now helping a customer in store, which is a priority, you know, so. yeah. But, it, you know, it's, it's not like I got fired or anything. I'm just still, like, I'm, like, and I still was averaging, uh, we get a star rating, like an Uber, almost, like, at the end of it. Oh, gosh, so, okay. But it's by the uh, the system, just, like, based on, like, speed and number of items. And I guess I'm assuming it takes into consideration, like, location in the store. Because that's, like, sometimes you'll have an item on one side and then the next item's on the complete other side of the store. Uh, but, again, not to sit here and talk about work, but I, I really... I enjoy doing it. Um, you know, my, my coworkers seem really cool. Uh, I've only met, I think, three of the other oper- operations people so far, but um, we got along with all of them very well. And, of course, uh, 
one of the assistant store managers was a co-worker of Corey and mine at FYE. Um, and it was really cool. I, I hadn't seen her until uh, yesterday when I worked. And so it was cool getting to talk to her. And uh, I won't deny I had a proud kind of like parent moment because I don't remember her exact age when we were at FYE, but it was still pretty young, like just out of high school. So like seeing her in like the second in command kind of position, I had a little bit of pride. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. You worked with me. <laughs> But um, anything else you want to say before we get into what we've been watching? Mm, no. Who's starting this week? You or me? I'll go. Okay. Okay. So I watched the last episode of Peaky Blinders for this season. Um, Bill and I just started watching this BBC special called Rillington Place. Mm. It's on Shudder. It's a three-part special. It has Tim Roth in it, and I can't mm. remember all the other actors there's one other actress that's kind of famous but i can't remember her name um i watched the latest episode of creep show i'm pretty sad that it's only six episodes for the season and we are already going to be getting uh, episode six this week i went to see lighthouse yesterday lucky i don't really know how i feel about it i've heard Uh, i've heard that it's weird but i i'm a fan of the actors and i love a24 it's just nowhere near me. Yeah, uh, it's it's a beautiful movie, and it—that's uh, mm, all I'll say. All right. Yeah, I, and I don't want spoilers. I have so. one more. Oh. No, no, you're good. No, like I, the act, the cast was great. Um, and then I watched a documentary that was suggested to me. I went to a puppet show on Friday night. Uh huh. This is my second year doing it with my friends. Um, it's the Horrific Puppet, Puppet Affair. And each year, apparently, they have a theme. And this time it was ghost stories. And they, I think they, like, had people from the community, like, submit stories. And then they did a puppet show or did, like, you know, some kind of performance to it. So that was pretty cool. And they, my friend suggested that I watch Hail Satan. Oh, man, I've had a student recommending that movie to me. I love it. I loved it. I felt super energized after watching it. I felt... Wait, is that the documentary? Yep. I'm sorry, that's not the one a student... I know this movie from other uh, film people, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, I'm... I I loved it. I was... When they started talking about it, I was like, "Mm, we don't get political, we don't get religious here, but I'm glad that I watched it. Uh, It's on Hulu. Oh, I need, to, I need to check it out then. Yeah, it's super good. Like, I had so many things I needed to do, and even to go to the restroom, and I just couldn't get up to, like, stop watching it because it was just so interesting and so, like, thought-provoking. Um, and it's, like, an hour and 30 or an hour and 37 minutes. Mm. Perfect. Perfect for so, Corey. Yeah. And well, that's all. Uh, as per usual, I've been watching YouTube in the background when I'm working, but... Um, I, uh, man, I totally had something I was going to say. I have my list of movies, but, um, ah, the other thing is, um, on Thursday or Friday, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out, and it's the first, uh, first-person shooter, um, that I've cared about that has cross-platform, so, like, we can play, it's the first Call of Duty, for sure, so, like, I got it on Xbox, but I can play with my friend who's on, uh, PC, 
I can play with my friend on PS4, and we can all party up and, and play. The, the one thing they've not done well is there's no party chat for that scenario, um, but you could use, like, apps like Discord or whatever to, to make it happen, but ideally it would be, uh, you know, everyone has, like, you're in Call of Duty, you have a party chat in Call of Duty, but uh, it's one, it's, it's my favorite Call of Duty for a while, and I love Black Ops 4, but this one's really got me hooked. And one of the things, um, I miss playing video games. I don't have as much time to, like, sit and do story. So, like, FPSs are great because I can hop in, play one game, and log out and feel like at least I did something. You know, like, I, I got to relax for a little bit. And this game has really been pulling me in this weekend. But uh, so much so, I was going to go see a third movie in a row. I've, I've been to the theater the last two nights. And I was going to go again tonight. And with my back kind of irritating me, um... It's not hurt, but, like, my muscles, like, in that area of my lower back and my, my glutes are really, really sore. Um, and so, like, the movie theater seats at our theater are not the most comfortable. They're kind of old. They're not uncomfortable, but, like, with the, the soreness, they are... I barely made it through the movie last night that I will talk about momentarily. And not because of the movie, because I was just super uncomfortable. Like, I was in odd pain trying to find, like, a position where I was not, uh, like, stinging my muscles. But, um, so I ended up just staying home and playing some Xbox tonight and, uh... But otherwise, I've seen quite a bit of movies. Um, on I watched uh, The Body Snatcher. Um, oh. Which I can't remember if I watched that before we recorded last week or not. I think I might have. Um, but I'm into this producer, Val Luton, because of a podcast that I definitely feel like I mentioned this last week. But The Secret History of Hollywood, he just dropped what is either going to be the final episode of Val Luton or the second final. I now am 100% sure I talked about this last week because you looked up who Val Luton was and how he died. Um but I watched that last Monday right before we recorded, so my bad for bringing it up again. But definitely wish people would check it out. Um, as I've also been following the uh, Blank Check podcast, we are almost done with the films of Hao Miyazaki. So I watched Ponyo for the first time. Corey, have you seen Ponyo? No. Well, first of all, Ponyo loves ham. Second of all, it is a pure joy of a movie, um, as many of the Studio Ghibli's are, but... After, like, the three previous films are a lot more serious uh, for Hao Miyazaki, and Ponyo is kind of more like My Neighbor Totoro, where it's a lot more fun. It's kind of got... It's definitely inspired by Little Mermaid, but it's not a direct retelling of Little Mermaid. It's its own thing. Um, gorgeous, as per usual. Just a blast of a movie. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out. Um, then I went to go see a movie on Thursday, um, and I was going to see one of the movies that came out, but... I, I just missed, like, all the start times, and I had not seen Jexy, the Adam Devine rom-com where he uh, gets a new phone and the AI is kind of snarky, and the AI is voiced by Rose Byrne, who I am always a big fan of. Uh, the movie also has Alexandra Shipp and Michael Pena. Um, it's not perfect by any means, and it has some really noticeably bad cinematography, which was surprising, um, because it's, it's just, like, they really needed a tripod or they thought they didn't need a tripod either way really shaky in dialogue sequences and it was driving me nuts um but there's some good stuff in jexy uh, especially if you like adam divine i tend to find him funny and i found him funny i had a good time it was a small crowd i think there were two other people in the theater with me and we all were laughing at a lot of the, the same moments and it was a nice little uh experience and i got lucky because the movie left the theater the next day so if i hadn't gone thursday night oh. would have missed my chance to see it in the theater which again it's not one you got to rush out and see or anything but if you like divine it's definitely worth watching i watched the movie we're going to be reviewing um and then i made a mistake Corey. i made a huge terrible awful mistake and i went to see countdown on saturday night the late show 
So, listeners, if you don't know, in our area, traditionally, horror movies on a weekend night are full of crappy people mm. who, who do not know proper movie etiquette and will make a... It, they are there for their experience, and they do not care if they ruin yours. There were at least 30 teenagers together, but they did not all sit together, yet they were still together. Um, they were talking across the auditorium to each other. Uh, anytime something scary would happen in a movie that is marketed as a stupid scare movie, they would get up and run out of the theater um, because they were too scared. And it was like it was it was one of those things where one was making a show, but like four others thought it would also be funny to do the same thing. Um, and it, they rotated who did it. Like they didn't all get up at the same time, but several did. Um, they commented where the room could hear, uh, and. What made me upset is that the traditional policy for our theater is about every 30 minutes, someone, an usher or whatever, walks in, walks down the aisle, checks the door, comes back up the other side, and, and stands for a moment. I think they do a count to make sure the right number of people are in the theater uh, based on ticket sales. And they do that even when I'm the only one in the theater. <laughs> they knew there were this many kids coming into this horror movie, which is a PG-13 horror film, so it was... My first mistake was not paying attention to the rating on this film. Um, but then they, they didn't show up in the theater for a good hour. And that's unusual. And if it felt maybe intentional, like they knew they were going to have to deal with this. But they were avoiding it. Because, like, how do you... It's like 30 to 1. How do you combat this, right? Uh, which is why I didn't even bother to complain or try to, like, shh. Because it was just like, it's a losing battle. It's just going to make a bigger scene. Um, I just you know, had to take it as movies unlimited. If I really want to come back, it's free for me to come back, you know. Um, but it was one of the worst experiences as far as the audience I've had. I think maybe I think I put it third worst all time. Um, I can only think of two other experiences that were more targetingly directed at me uh, versus it just being you know discourteous bad behavior. Um, and I wasn't the only other person. There was other people who clearly someone did complain or whatever, but. Um, I was surprised though with the movie itself. Countdown, not a great movie in the, in most ways, but better than I thought based on the trailer because the trailer looked real bad. Um, and I actually had a pretty decent time with it. There was a few sequences that I thought were hilarious. Uh, it's not trying to be a horror uh, horror comedy, but at the same time, it definitely is. There's some some parts where you're just like, well, that's clearly for comedy. Like even casting uh, two notorious comedians. Uh, P.J. Byrne, he's at least comedic actors, and then um, Tom Segura, who is a stand-up comedian first, uh, and they get comedy things to do. Um, so I, I don't know. I enjoyed more of it than I thought I would. But the last thing, I went back to the theater last night in a much smaller and better crowd, uh, only like 10 people and mostly older people, and we all also enjoyed the movie we saw last night. We saw The Current War. <laughs> Have you seen the trailer for this? Um, I don't think so. So it is about Thomas Edison, uh, Nikola Tesla, and George <gasps> oh. Westinghouse. And it's got your boy in it, Michael Shannon. Um, mm. Shannon plays George Westinghouse. Benedict Cumberbatch plays Thomas Edison. Uh, and Nicholas Holt plays Nikola, Nikola Tesla. And then Tom Holland plays the uh, assistant to Benedict Cumberbatch's Thomas Edison. Um, it's directed by Alfonso Gomez Rejon, who you might know as the director of Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the movie. If you look at like Letterbox, is dated from 2017, and at my theater, it's listed as the director's cut. So I'm guessing a version of the film came out did not do well 
they shelved it and then he got a final cut that is now circulating and is really good i had i enjoyed it i thought the story was compelling um he gets some of his kind of unique cinematography stuff that he did in the mean earl shows up here as well not as quirky but still um it's there so i could see some people not liking it for that um but i i overall enjoyed it i thought some really solid performances katherine watterson is also playing um mrs westinghouse michael shannon's wife and i, I tend to like her and stuff so yeah I, if you get a chance to see it i say give it a watch uh, i've totally forgot to sorry i do this every time it's okay um i even made my list ahead of time but i rewatched the dead don't die ah i want to rewatch it i've not watched rewatched it yet I just think it's so funny, and I think that if people don't like it, then they're wrong. I mostly agree. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with it being very funny, and it really appeals to my sense of humor. And Corey and I are guilt, uh, maybe unabashedly Jim Jarmusch fans from the films we've seen of his, which are several. We haven't seen all, but we've seen several of his. Mm-hmm. And also, um, Adam Driver becomes more and more of a favorite actor of mine as I get to see him doing things. But Yes. Well, <laughs> with that... Oh, wait, you said two. What was the other one? Oh, no, just that one. Oh, okay. Well, let's get to the stats of our movie for the week. Uh, Intolerable Cruelty came out in 2003. Uh, it is rated PG-13. It's a... Um, a beautiful gold digger matches wits with a shrewd Beverly Hills divorce lawyer who is increasingly attracted to her. Uh, has a 71 Metacritic, so I was mistaken. I thought this was a lower um, film for them, but 71 solid. Uh, 6.2 IMDb user score. Uh, stars George Clooney, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Billy Bob Thornton, Jeffrey Rush, Cedric the Entertainer, um, Edward Herman, and I think that's... Oh, well, Richard Jenkins has a small part, but he's always great no matter what. Underutilized. What were they thinking? Yeah, well, you know, he might have been filming something else at the time. But, uh, directed, of course, by Joel and Ethan Cohen, because every movie we watch this month will be directed by them. Um, and they are on the list for screenplay, but with several other writers. So this was not their original story, I'm guessing, that they, they got a hand on a script and uh, adapted it. Um, if you're new to the show, what we start with is a spoiler-free, just kind of our initial impressions of the movie. And then we will get into um, our spoiler review with plenty of warnings, so no panics. Uh, Corey, why don't you start us off? What did you think about Intolerable Cruelty? You are muted, Corey. I started out strong. Went too long, and then I just feel like it fell flat. I kind of feel the same way. Um, I I love the Coens. Like I am a huge Cohen fan, and this one not all the not not all the way. Nope. Bill watched it with me too, and the way that my day went, a uh, friend and I had kind of made plans to go see a movie yesterday, and then that's when we went to see the Lighthouse. But I was kind of unsure if that was happening, so we started watching this one, and like it was really funny and bill was watching it with me and he's like yeah i'll finish watching that when you come back home and then yeah it kept feeling like it was going to end but then it didn't end well it takes a lot of like we don't want to get into any spoilers of course but it, it, i think it's okay to say it takes some twists and turns with where you think it's gonna go 
and not for the worse or anything. It's just it did feel a little long, and it's not. Um, it's an hour and forty minutes, so it's like actually pretty short. Oh, um, I thought it was like two at least. Yeah, no, it, it does kind of drag at times. Um, it, it's it's being a it's a rom com, so it's got that going for it, which I tend to like. But um, I do like George Clooney a lot. Catherine Zeta Jones. I am up and down on. There are some films where I really enjoy her performance, and I, I think she's good here. Like I don't have anything to like negatively say, but I think maybe just my history with her films, I was not into it all the way. Um, I mean, I was excited to like, and same thing. Cedric the Entertainer, I find to be funny as a comedian, but he's done some really crap movies, and so I, I was I had a hard time like buying into his role. And again, it's a small part. Um, I, I was I was more distracted than I usually am with a Coen's film, and I don't know if it was just maybe my predisposition that this was a film I'd put off watching for a while, and maybe it wasn't going to be a greater Coen. Um, I definitely don't think it is one of their best. Um, I've seen Lady Killers, which I think would probably be one of their worst. Uh, and again, that's also not an original script, and that's um, this film has the Coen touch at moments, but it doesn't feel a hundred percent like the Coens, which it isn't based on the the cast or the screenwriting list on imdb but that you know they're still very capable and it's got it's got their dark tone because it is dealing with like a divorce attorney and then a, a not like a gold digger because i feel like traditionally gold diggers are not portrayed as gold diggers like they're not proud of that fact like they are gold diggers but they don't like advertise it as like their profession and that's totally what the women in this movie in the circle of friends are proclaiming like they're not denying it at all this is what they do they find a guy who's rich they marry him and then either divorce him after he's cheats on them or um you know they die because they're older or whatever so yeah um you know the movie opens with a, a a husband catching his wife sleeping with a pool man um and that's uh jeffrey rush's character um it's a funny kind of crazy sequence and crazy things happen and then that sets up our introduction to the divorce attorney with um clooney um and all of that was fine and even the uh we actually see cedric the entertainer as the private investigator who's got a catchphrase um that's obnoxious but that's uh, Catherine Zeta Jones's husband. Yeah, he's hired by Catherine Zeta Jones to catch the husband cheating. Oh God, I just feel like so much of the humor in the beginning of the movie is just so perfect. It's so absurd yeah. and so ridiculous, but it, I just couldn't help but laugh. And mm -hmm. then I don't really know what happened. Well, it it shifts, I think, into the romance a little bit more. Um, and I like Clooney. He is not... He's a really funny straight guy, right? Like, in the movies, like, he is the straight man, and he is um, going to play better off of, like... Like, when you think, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, for example, he's he makes me laugh a lot. That movie is mainly, though, because he's so serious. Like, his character is so serious and so arrogant and cocky. Um, and it's, like, the way that Totoro and... Um, oh, any other time I would know the guy's name. Um, the two other guys in No Brother Art, they'll play off of him. And that's what I think's missing here is that, for the most part, Clooney's humor in this movie is just by himself. And 
it doesn't work as well when he's not bouncing it off of something. And like Zeta Jones is also doing that same kind of humor where it's kind of dry and it's it's very self-serious. Um, and it, it just – it when everybody else is not on screen, it's not as funny. Um, like I liked – I don't know who played his assistant. Um, looking here – yeah, I don't know who plays Clooney's assistant, but I liked – I actually like the assistant a lot. I think he, when he was on screen with him, he helped make the scenes funny again. Um, but like when Clooney was by himself or whatever, it just wasn't as strong. Um, Fair. And there's a lot of plot uh, to me. It felt like a lot of plot. Like it gets very M Night Shyamalan esque, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like all these weaves, weaving of like different like, characters and stuff. I thought that you know some of the like twists and turns were clever i just felt like sure. they kept going on and on and on and on and on and on mm-hmm. yeah yeah i kind of i feel the same um so i think that's good for non-spoilers uh cory and i both I, I don't think either of us disliked it but it wasn't um it's not my favorite cohen's film by far and even if i just were to look at their mainly comedies i would still put this down the ways on the list um but yeah, that's uh, that's our un- a spoiler-free review, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about intolerable cruelty. I don't think I carry the E too long in <laughs> great detail. You've been warned. All right, so, um, I mean, I guess there's not a lot. I guess the twist I, are the spoilers. Well, I really liked the, like, opening. You know, like that whole, what is he, he's a soap opera director or writer mm-hmm. or something, and then he comes home, and he's he's wealthy enough, he's, you know, got a nice house and all this stuff, and comes home to his wife shagging the pool man, and they don't even have the pool. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. And, <laughs> like, the guy, all of a sudden, they're establishing that yes he was having relations with his wife and then all of a sudden he feels threatened and he's all of a sudden got erectile dysfunction yeah (laughs) and then his wife stabbing him with his emmy or whatever the award was yeah it's like a daytime soap opera (laughs) award or something like that yeah and then stealing his jaguar i don't know yeah shooting and just taking pictures of his butt uh because (laughs) of the stab sorry not just of his butt with a polar he was wearing pants he was wearing yeah. pants. But you could see uh, the blood coming through. Oh, yeah. Um, so I thought that was a really solid opening. Yeah, and then it follows that up with the the private investigator, um, as mentioned. Um, but then we get to where Clooney comes in as the divorce attorney um, competing against Richard Jenkins. He's defending the husband uh, for Catherine Zeta-Jones' husband, who was caught cheating. Um, Richard Jenkins is her attorney, uh, Freddie Bender, and he's good in those scenes, but yeah, um, like, I like they're negotiating, and he, like, just, Clooney's not really negotiating, he's just being, like, cocky, um, but I thought the scene played out very funny, um, and then Clooney gets, like, a crush on this woman he knows to be a gold digger, ultimately, um, and that's kind of the, the, that's the rom-com, the meet-cute sort of thing, when, you know, they're, they're at odds, there's no way these two can end up together, because he knows what type of person she is, and he's a shrewd lawyer who is good at getting, you know, helping. It wins. Yeah, he's he helps the rich stay rich, basically, and not lose all their assets. Um, and even, you know, there's the the prenups, and then his whole firm is 
dark. There's like this, the the head of the firm who's like in a basement, like on all sorts of machines, staying alive. <laughs> Very interesting kind of commentary on like the that type of lawyer. I think that you can infer from that. Um, but uh, it gets so. She remarries, um, Billy Bob Thornton shows up, and she marries this guy, um, who's, like, an oil tycoon, and, um, there's no, he, like, eats the prenup at, uh, dinner, or whatever, like, or not at dinner, at the wedding, at the wedding, like, after, he's like, this is my gift to you, and he eats the prenup, so, like, no prenup, and that makes Clooney happy, because, like, he sees it as not love, that, you know, she's not really in love with him she was marrying him for the money and now that she was able to convince him to eat the prenup then he was right and she there's still a chance for them to get together um and it all ends up being a long con which the coens are really good at these type of movies where you have this intricately weaved con scenario where she hired billy bob thornton who is an actor to play this guy to trick clooney into marrying her without the prenup so she can steal all of his money um and then there's this whole twist and turn again where they actually do love each other and she's now rich so she because the guy dies like her ex that i it's a lot it's so much like weaving and plot and i'm just like whatever i don't even care anymore it's like you're yeah. both, you're both not good people i guess like you know yeah you deserve each other yeah, it's like, oh, you're so rich, you're gonna steal other rich people's money. I don't... Screw you both. I'm working three jobs to try to pay the bills properly, you know, like... And you're just, like, playing games with other people's money. Like, I, I had... Maybe that's where I'm coming from. I'm just like, you suck. I don't like you at all, so whatever, rich people. Um, which, I, that is where I feel like it's kind of at odds with a lot of the Coen's other stuff. And keep in mind, they're not, like, praising the rich people. But it is weird to, uh, to like, root for, like, usually in a rom-com, you're rooting for them to either get together or you're wanting one of them to break away. And I don't want them to get together because I don't want them to be happy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I don't think they deserve that. And I don't know if they'll ever truly be happy because they might always be suspicious of the other. But it's still, like... <laughs> that Suspicious Minds by Elvis please oh <laughs> like, yeah it was just like so that was a good choice i was like elvis <laughs> really but it was just perfect yeah well there i mean the cohen's i have that's the thing like most of my complaints are more for like my taste than yeah. they are for like anything production wise or anything like that like i i think it's very well made it's very well acted it just and i love rom-coms but it may be like the rich and maybe even right now you know because in 2003 the economy was still doing pretty well. We hadn't hit the housing market crash. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe if we saw this when it came out, we don't have this kind of, like, bitter edge towards the rich. And I'm only, I'm still in college, so, like, I have no money. I'm still hopeful. I'm going to get a record contract in 2003. Like, yeah, maybe I'll be a famous musician and be rich. Because, you know, music musicians were still frequently rich at that time. Not really the case anymore either, you know? So maybe it's when this came out to when we're watching it that it just doesn't sit well. Okay. I mean, just a possibility, because, again, um, you know, there's other movies where, like, I don't like characters. Like, uh, Don't Breathe was a horror movie from a couple years ago that you and I both... Ugh. 
but my biggest yeah. thing was I didn't care if any of the characters survived because they were all awful people. Yeah. And I, and I had just been robbed, though. Like, someone like, had broken into my house, like, yeah. a month before. And here's a movie where your protagonist get into a situation because they're breaking into people's houses. I had no empathy at all for them. I'm like, what do I care? Kill him, blind guy. Or, you know what? Blind guy's horrible, too. And that's a weird statement, but if there's context in the movie that I don't want to spoil. Don't breathe because, you know, it's not what we're not talking that about. Old. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, it's like movies where the characters I have no empathy for or I can't, you know, root for, it is very hard for me to, like, love. And I think that was part of this movie's issue for me is I'm just like, yeah, I don't I don't think I can root for you guys to be together. So, you know, end the movie. That is all fair. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I definitely didn't feel, uh, you know. And again, I think like the beginning, I was hooked. Like like you said, like right away, I was like, all right, cool, let's watch this. This is gonna be fun. And then gradually, I found myself like looking away from the screen and not really paying as much attention as I usually do. And I I know I've been saying that a lot more lately, and I'm definitely busier. And movies at home have not been pulling me in like they normally do as often. But I also have examples of where movies have pulled me away from stuff. Where like, well, I'll put a movie on with the intent of it being in the background, and it will pull me out of what I'm doing because the movie's so well made. Like Ponyo did that. I I put Ponyo on in the background um, as I'm working and stuff because I'm not going to write a review about it. I'm I'm actually watching it so I can listen to a podcast. Um, so I'm okay if I'm not giving it 100 percent of my attention, but yet it pulls me in. Um, uh, the Woman in Black that I threw on just as like background noise. Um, I ended up getting really sucked into the story and, like, turning my computer off, you know, that kind of thing. Like, so it's possible for a movie to keep my attention, even at home, even during this busy month. And this film just could not do it. Like, I was trying to give it my attention. I was like, yeah, I don't I don't really want to watch this right now, but I, I have to watch it. And that's disappointing because, again, I am a Coen's fan. And I think it's just, like, that opening, I'm laughing, I'm into it, and then... Gradually, it feels more ridiculous, and it feels a little less... Like, I'm not rooting for these people. I think if it were, like, Cedric's movie, like, if that character... If it, you were following that private investigator... No, y'all asked. Yeah, he's clearly doing well, but he's not doing as well as the people whose asses he is nailing, as he would say. Um, <laughs> you know, because he, he's... he's yeah. yeah, he's not making millions. He's getting paid well because the, comp- the people who are hiring him are rich, but he is not making mm. as much money as they are. But, like, I'd be interested to follow his story a little more deep. Or um, Richard Jenkins, who seems like the good guy in a world full of kind of assholes, you know? Because um, he's an attorney, and so he's... But he doesn't seem to be as shady of an attorney as some of the other ones that we meet, you know? So I would follow his character around and maybe be more interested. So it's, I, I do think it's the characters that we are following that just didn't work for me. Mm. Well, I think it's going to be a short episode because Corey has almost nothing to say. I just, I, it, I forget exactly what the turn of events are, but I really thought that the movie was going to be over because I felt like when she's marrying Billy Bob Thornton's character, yeah, and then she acts like she's so in love and so in love and all this stuff and all this stuff, and then later on we end up finding out that he's a soap opera, soap opera actor, and it was all a ruse. Um, yeah, you know, but like I felt like the tone was weird there. It felt like it was coming to an end, but then it kept going. And I did think it was funny later on because she goes to—is it Joffrey Rush? That's the uh, 
he's the Emmy winner, the soap opera yeah, writer. Yeah, the, the guy from the beginning. So he's like living on the streets with yeah. that same, you know, uh, award that he was stabbed with. Uh, and she goes to ask for a name of an actor or something. And I totally forgot that she had done that. I was like, what is she going to do this for? And then through the movie and the 27 different things that happened, I forgot about it. And then when he's like standing there watching the TV and it's revealed that Billy Bob Thornton's character <laughs> was an actor the whole time. That was like a lot invested in that, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that big, huge wedding. Yeah. Oh, God. And I mean, even like the whole that, you know, she signed this, uh, prenuptial agreement at George Clooney's uh, whatever and he's like don't do this you won't be protected blah 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 he's like trying to help her now at this point and then he like yeah he's eating it the prenuptial at the wedding and everything I just wasn't expecting that to all just be to get to him yeah it was a long con right it was a huge yeah tra uh, trap it was like because it said six months later, and I missed the part where they said the ink is dry, like, on the divorce. And so it was at least six months that she was doing all this. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and then I, they, they, they have, like, where they, they do get together, but then that's when he finds out it's the ruse. And then they're, he, like, it works out in his favor because now her husband died and somehow she's still, like... The only person on the insurance so she's about to become rich so he'll get the money and then they there's the like well, let's get married for real and let's we really do love each other and it's like good for you you horrible people like what you all have enough money why would you need any more money i'm sorry i'm not that kind of person you know that i don't know they both have so much money they're he's buying new cars all the time and doing all this stuff like how much more money could you want your life is unfulfilling so that's obviously not what it is you know um yeah i don't know each of you just keep your money just get married blah 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 yeah and it's, <laughs> it's fine like again it's it's not even that i didn't like it it's just it wasn't it just kept going yeah, and going it, it started like i i think your in interpretation is very accurate that it starts much stronger than it ends and it, again i think that's partly because of who we are watching and, uh, and again not the actors i think the characters well because at first i think even i feel like even though we kind of know that she's a gold digger that I, there's a little bit of sympathy there for her in the beginning she married Agreed. this old weirdo that is really sexually into choo-choo trains well, and um, at first, I don't think she is a, like my first impression wasn't that she was a gold digger, but that a situation has arose where she has going to inherit money, and like the people around her are gold diggers because you know she's like friends with Hollywood types. Yeah. But then it's revealed like no, no, this was kind of her expectation. She married him knowing he would eventually cheat and she would catch him. She put in the years. Yeah, and it's like Whoa, oh, that's less sympathetic. And I can't even remember his name that she met at some resort or something and he's a concierge and she asked for a stupid man that was good at making money but not good at yes you know yeah man i don't even remember that was an actor who's like good too i can't think of who that was yeah that was pretty like woo and yeah. he gets so mad it's like a real small part too like for him to to just show up for that yeah yeah i, I can't even remember but yeah i almost forgot all about that plot detail again it's for a rom-com, the plot's very... Too involved, Yeah, I which think. 
some rom-coms go for that they go for this like extremely contrived scenario and this one is definitely doing especially the con movies are also like that right like the the plot's always a little ridiculous because it's like things have to work out so perfectly for the con to work you know like like you mentioned with the actor he had to have never seen a soap opera before to not Word. you know what i mean like that like and again i'm not saying people would i don't i wouldn't recognize most people on soap operas but again like she's taking a huge risk by using a famous actor because there is a chance he knows him from that show like what if clooney was like a closet fan of that show or something you know and she wouldn't have known it but that's always the case with con movies too so it makes sense to merge the two kind of genres together here um because rom-coms are traditionally you know like the meat cutes especially are very contrived and whatever um but it's Jonathan still Hattery. Ah, Hattery? that's the the friend's name or whatever it's the yeah that's the uh actor's name it's like baron von sp or something maybe i just finds the baron kraus von sp sorry the name doesn't sound familiar but he looks familiar or at least maybe <clears throat> i'm remembering a wrong person too because it's it's a blur of a movie and, at this point yeah and i'm like looking at this in the whole part where he tries to hire somebody to go murder her because <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god i forgot all about the murder guy um who then kills himself Wheezy joe <laughs> thinking he's putting his inhaler to his mouth and shoots himself in the head oh god yeah, that's that's the Cohen's dark humor there, though, man. Like, like that whole sequence where they they're in the house and he got the gun at them, and yeah, that was crazy. Um, that came out of nowhere. That he would like result to hiring someone to kill her. Like that's how desperate he was. Yeah, what redeemable qualities are these two characters supposed to have? They're made for each other. They're perfect. Get married so no one else marries you. Jeez. Yeah, I guess. Live rich and happy, I guess, or maybe not happy, but. Yeah, and suspicious. Uh, All right, I think that's enough for intolerable cruelty. Uh, not the best start for the month, but not not a horrible start either. I mean, I it's better than Lady Killers. So, um, I would I think I'm going to go decent watch and leaning towards not a total waste of time. Um, same. Yeah, I I don't feel like it quite deserves not a total waste of time, but I don't I don't know I don't feel like I would jump back into watching this one anytime soon, and I have rewatched many of the Coen's films and this one is like ah, I, uh, looking at the metascore I'm like maybe I need to like try harder to give it more, more attention I feel like uh, yeah. I mean I feel like sometimes when you watch something maybe you're not in the right headspace or maybe you're missing things that might greatly impact your enjoyment of the movie but I don't really know if that's the case with this and sometimes I'm not saying this is necessarily true but sometimes I feel like People will say they like a movie more because of who made it or who's in it. Yeah. That's not necessarily the, I'm not I haven't read through these reviews. I'm not going to. But you know what I mean like Sure, there's a, a tons and tons of valid reasons even to like something. And I am I'm a avid Cohen supporter, but I'm also I'm not naive cuz I've seen most of their films. There are some that are substantially better than others. Um and there's a reason I picked uh this movie, Hudsucker Proxy, and Raising Arizona, which is the last movie we're watching for the month, I think, and I'm I put that one at the end because that one's one of the highest regarded uh, Cohen comedies, where the other two were not so much. Um, although I think Intolerable Cruelty has a higher Metascore than um, 
than uh, Hudsucker Proxy, but I have not seen either, and I am looking forward still. Because, uh, again, even if this is Lesser Cohen, it didn't feel like a horrible movie. It's just not not clicking there. for me, yeah. And not as much as some of their other movies. Like, I am, you know, I have several of their films that I really, really love. And one, uh, Hail Caesar was not as loved, but I love Hail Caesar. I love Hail Caesar. speaks to me on, like, so many different levels. And again, though, I feel like there's redeemable qualities to the main characters. And there's despicable qualities, but there's redeemable qualities. Um, The Man Who Wasn't There is a Billy Bob Thornton noir film with Scarlett Johansson. And again, there's some despicable qualities, but it's, it's got the noir, like, fatalism. And so I'm okay with it not being completely redeemable. Where that's not how I feel with, like, a rom-com. I want to be rooting for my characters in a rom-com. And it's not a total rom-com, though. It is... It's got, like... I, I think you could argue there's some noir elements in Intolerable Cruelty to a, a degree. Especially, like... Like, a lot of the, the deceit and even, again, they hire someone to murder her. Um, it's definitely got some noir stuff, which is, again, of the Coens. That is, like... It's since their first film, Blood Simple, uh, the the clear inspiration they get from noir is very very evident. So I'm not surprised to see those elements even in a rom com. It just I don't think it worked for me. I love both of those genres, but I don't think I want those genres you know meshing together. Fair. All right, so that's our review of Intolerable Cruelty. We will be back next week with oh a Cohen's classic that Corey has never seen, Miller's <laughs> Crossing. Um, Miller's Crossing is one of our friend uh, Mike Sanchez, who we do top five movies with when we're able to. We've not been able to pull an episode together in a while, but um, Mike has always been a huge advocate of Miller's Crossing. If you've not seen it, we encourage you to watch it with us and reach out to us on social media. Tell us what you think. You can follow me at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And of course, uh, we use Anchor.fm as our uh, podcast host. They have a feature where if you use the app or their website, you can actually call in to the shows you listen to on Anchor and leave a voicemail. So you could potentially end up on an episode of the podcast. So we encourage you to do that. If you watch Miller's Crossing, if you've seen Miller's Crossing, or if you have, uh, you want to tell us why Intolerable Cruelty is better than we're giving it credit. Um, oddly enough, Miller's Crossing has a lower Metascore than Intolerable Cruelty, but uh, far less reviews, so that's probably why. It's an older film. Um, 1990 is Miller's Crossing. Uh, stars Gabriel Byrne, Albert Finney, John Turturro, Marsha Gay Harden, um, John Polito, J.E. Freeman, Mike Starr, and then it starts going down from there. Oh, well, except for Steve Buscemi, um, but he's not as major of a character. Directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, and it is uh, a script written by them but um, based on the novels of Dashiell Hammett. Mm. So with that, uh, that is our episode. Um, If you like the podcast, we ask that you rate and review us. It helps people find our show. And until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movieverse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.